Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. The sun is shining here in Dublin and I hope you can see blue skies wherever you are too. It makes a huge difference, I think. So let's hope this spring-like weather keeps going. It was just miserable the last few weeks. Sorry, I am reduced, yes, to talking about the weather, but that's how boring our lives are now. And there's also this very strange sense of deja vu when you realise it's coming up soon on a year since this strangeness began. And who would have thought we'd still be here locked down a year later? We've another great podcast for you today. We're talking about a new anti-racism campaign. So more about that in a minute. But first, I wanted to let you know that we have officially launched season three of our Big Night In, which starts on March 6th and continues every second Saturday night until May. We're going to make your Saturday nights great again with guests including Mary McAleese, Tolu McKay, Evie Nihulavon, Joanne O'Reardon and Maeve Higgins. It's been a sort of a joy, one of the joys of lockdown for us on the Women's Podcast to bring you these events. And we know you've really enjoyed them. So go to irishtimes.com forward slash big hyphen night hyphen in or check out our at IT Women's Podcast on Twitter and Instagram for more details. We really hope to see you there. And before the big night in season three begins, we have a special evening planned to mark International Women's Day, which, as you know, falls on March 8th. The theme of the day this year is choosing to challenge. So we're going to have an evening of storytelling live on Zoom on March 4th. That's Thursday, March 4th. And we hope you'll get involved. We want you to send your stories of overcoming times in your life when you faced a challenge and what you did to overcome it. It could be anything. It could be something like trying to ask for a raise in work or a time when you had to stand up to someone who was bullying you or it could be personal or professional, anything at all. You just have to be able to bring your story to the Zoom event and tell it to our audience. So if you have a story around three to five hundred words long, which is around three sort of minutes long, get in touch with us on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com send us your stories of overcoming that's the women's podcast at irishtimes.com now we won't be able to get back to all your submissions but if your story is chosen we'll be in touch as women as people in the world we face challenges all the time and i think it's going to be really great to hear the stories of how we overcame them and we'll have some very special guests on the evening telling their stories so we'll let you know all the details of that but for the moment if you can send in your stories and get involved we'd love to hear them now the irish human rights and equality commission has launched a significant national awareness campaign challenging individual and societal attitudes that lead to people from different ethnic backgrounds experiencing racism it's a non-scripted campaign it features 11 interviews with people from different backgrounds sharing personal perspectives on racism in ireland including casual racism the role of bystanders and the systemic historical societal and structural barriers encountered in everyday life in ireland 
The campaign launches as new research published by the Commission and carried out by Amorok Research, surveying 1,200 people in Ireland, and it found that almost half of young people, 48%, between 18 and 24, have witnessed or experienced racism in the last 12 months. The poll also found out that 8 out of 10 Irish people agree that Ireland benefits from being a more inclusive and diverse society. And 9 out of 10 Irish people believe that no matter who you are or where you come from, you should be treated equally. And I think it's really good to remember that because while we know there are serious issues with racism in this country, the majority of people are really happy that we are getting to be a more diverse and inclusive society. So to talk about all of this, we had Teresa Bukowska. She's a Polish migrant woman living in Ireland since 2005, currently working as an integration officer in the Immigrant Council. She has many years of experience in equality, anti-racism and integration. And then we also spoke to Raihana Zarug, who's a young woman, 20 year old, living and studying in Dublin, who's been involved with sport and racism initiatives for some time through Sport Against Racism Ireland. So here they are to talk about All Against Racism. Rayana, I'm going to come to you first. Can you tell us about the All Against Racism campaign and why you got involved? Why I got involved was because I think it's something that's really huge now, especially with the Black Lives Matter going on, with just everything around the world. So I believe that um, just joining this, I was like, just as a Muslim representative, I think that it's good to kind of just raise awareness because a lot of people really don't know, just like from speaking to people, because I work in retail and a lot of people don't actually know what the awareness are. They might see it, but they might not understand the issues themselves. So tell me about your own background, because you're 20 and you live and you study in Dublin um, and you've been involved in initiatives for for a while through Sport Against Racism in Ireland. So tell us a bit about yourself. So um, I'm 21 now. I'm studying politics and sociology in UCD. I work with SARI, which is Sports Against Racism in Ireland. So Sports Against Racism in Ireland helps us just as well. It's sports with racism. So you're fighting against discrimination by using sports. So we pl- I play football. So using our team is called H- um, came about in 2014 with a project called Hijabi's Diversity. So this Hijabi's Diversity, Hijabi's Diverse, Hijabi's and Hats, projects came about in 2014 when the ban lifted from FIFA that hijabis can play so then they came out with this team diversity so it just kind of gave you a chance for us Muslim women to play football while wearing the hijab and not being discriminated in any other way yeah and just wearing your hijab around Dublin does it is it a source of racism do people make comments you do get times few there like you don't get it as much as other places but you might get a few comments or you might get a bit um, arrogance or like say in retail people might ignore you be like oh why is there a Muslim here I want to speak to someone that's Irish so you do kind of receive a bit of racism wherever you go or like you go into shops they might think because of your scarf you don't know how to speak English so you do kind of get a bit of struggles around Ireland. Hmm. Teresa tell me why all about um, all against racism is maybe different to things that have gone before because I know there's been a lot of it on social media so what's your own take on it as a, as a Polish woman living in Ireland I think that this campaign is very important because um, it presents personal story of 12 people and every one of us has different experience because my experience as a uh, Eastern European migrant woman is different than Rayana's I am protected by my white skin, so I don't experience that many 
day-to-day harassment on the street. But people can hear my accent. And the moment I open my mouth, this is where usually the discrimination starts. But I also experience discrimination in access to employment or, or accommodation, like I was told by a landlord that they don't rent out to Polish people. And I was refused um, employment uh, a long time ago. So I do have certain experience about racism as well. And I think it's important to to, to spread that message that there are different types of racism. Uh, but I also think that the importance of that campaign is because it is uh, it can reach people who are at different levels when it comes to understanding of racism, because some people might have more knowledge, other less. And I think there is a variety of messages in this campaign that everyone can find something for themselves to help them understand what racism is and how to support people and what to do to tackle racism. Mm. And like you say, the sort of diversity of the people involved. So the, these are profiles of 11 people who, um, you know, and it's to see their faces, to learn about their stories. And like you say, people who aren't really aware of it, it gives them a way in. It gives them kind of real people to kind of engage with. Yes, definitely. And I think for every one of us was also important that um, we were able to tell our stories. I've been working with victims of racism professionally as well. So I know that it is important for us to be heard. Uh, it is important for, for us to see that our experience is important, that it's being acknowledged and that society wants to do something about it. So having opportunity to speak about experiences has a healing uh, also um, elements to this. Uh, and that was at least my experience. Rehana, why is it important that we talk about it? I mean, you're 21 now. So among your friends um, who don't experience this, what are the kind of things they ask you and why is it important to highlight all of this? Because now Ireland is a place where it's not just Irish people. There's people from different ethnicities, whether you're black, white, Asian, any ethnicity, any background, any nationality, we're all here together. So to be in a place, especially for the younger children in school, to grow up and not kind of having teachers that are like from different backgrounds, it kind of gives them more acceptance that, oh, they're just like me. And feeling more welcomed in the country where they might feel different because of their colour of the skin or maybe the scarf on their head. So I just feel like, say with my Irish friends anyways, they always ask me like, oh, how do you get along like with work? And they might ask you, like for them it's normal because obviously they grew up with us. Like they see it, but like say their older generation, like their parents, it's a bit weird for them to see a Muslim woman working or a Muslim woman in football. I get loads of times asked, like I just had surgery on my knee and when I was in hospital, they were like, oh, I've never seen a Muslim woman gone in meniscal tear and I was like oh it's not something different I was like we all play football they're like oh the fact that you're a woman as well so it is a huge thing I feel like in Ireland where it's just that now there's more ethnicities coming in more people are just it's emerging into something new it's like becoming like England whereas there's so many nationalities yeah but you're completely Irish obviously because you couldn't (laughs) sound more Dublin if you tried but do you still get that thing because it's one of the things that we talk about when we talk about this issue where are you really from you know what's your story how draining is that or exhausting it's it's completely exhausting like especially in work and sometimes there I've had a woman before and she was she heard just my accent but when she turned around she's like oh a Muslim and I was like 
here we go again. Or it's like, sometimes they're like, oh, but where are you from? When did you come to Ireland? Your accent's so strong. And I was like, I was born here. They're like, but when did you come originally? And I was like, I was born here. <laughs> but yeah, so I always straight up, I always say I was born here, but I'm originally from Algeria. Straight up, that's my first answer because I know what's always going to come next. Yeah, so that you get in before they can ask. Yeah. And I suppose your Algerian heritage is important to you. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. is that where your parents are from? Yeah, that's where my parents are originally. So it's not like, you know, who cares? Like my, my mum's from England, you know what I mean? It's like, but I don't have to get it go. People don't ask me where you're originally from, but I very much feel that part of my heritage is really important to me. You know, my uncles and relatives in, in England, that's that's a big part of who I am as well. Um, but I get away with it because, you know, because of my skin and nobody really cares. But when you have any kind of different thing that looks uh, not whatever people think is the norm, then you get kind of, it's almost like you have to be up for discussion and you have to explain yourself. Does that what it feels like? Exactly, yeah. It's just even like, say, converts themselves. Some converts that wear the scarf, like they're completely Irish. Their parents are Irish. They were born here. But they're still getting the questions, but where are you from? And they're like, I was born here. I'm completely 100% Irish. Just because I'm wearing a scarf doesn't distinguish me from being Irish or not. Um, Teresa, I want to come back to you about the lack of diversity in positions of authority in Ireland. So if we look at politics, teaching, the guards, can you talk about the impact that has on people growing up like Rahana and like yourself who are not seeing in, in these authoritative places people like them? Why is that important? I think it's important because uh, there is this saying, you cannot be what you cannot see. And it's about role models. It's about showing people that we can be whoever we want to be and that there is place for us in those positions of, of power and authority. Uh, so that's that's important for people to see that um, they are also represented, that their experience is being represented at the decision-making table and that their experience is, be, will, is going to be reflected in policies. We cannot really have equal and just policies if we only have one type of people making those decisions. So I think we need to, um, we need to have more representations that reflect the diversity in, in Ireland because one in eight of Irish people are of a migrant background and they have variety of experiences and, and it's important that they're going to be heard. Um, Rihanna, what about uh, the shooting of George Anchenko? And we saw at the beginning of that uh, terrible case um, where the, the sort of that false narrative that a young black man was a violent criminal and people were all too quick to, to believe that wrong statement. How did that shooting affect you or what were your observations? It's really upsetting, to be honest, that straight away with just one statement made the whole nation just blame one guy that was innocent and just it just kind of made, say me or like anyone from an ethnic background, feel like I don't really have any more trust now in the guards because if they're doing this, we're, we're in a country where we're not allowed guns. For this to happen, first time in all of Ireland, to someone that's a background, from a different background, it really does upset us. So I just feel like it was completely unjustice because I remember even the next day after that when the statement came out and I went into work and all the customers are talking about it and they're like, oh my God, he was such a terrible man. And I was like, you don't know the full story. I can't believe everything you see on the media, firstly. I was like, There's always two sides to every story and it's just, it was extremely upsetting just to see how everyone believed it at first glance and then they were shocked to see the real results. But they were still not believing it. Like you should have seen the tweets on... Twitter and like on TikTok all what they were saying and it was so sad like just knowing that family as well and like what they're going through and the fact that they have to see all those posts 
Mm. It's not nice. And what about in the wider Muslim community? You mentioned that lack of trust. Has it done that? Has it damaged it? Yeah, 100%. Even from the time of George and Kanto or like the time where um, Azam, like Raggy, he died here in um, Dundrum. There was a stabbing. And like just it's really upsetting to the Muslim and like black community just seeing all this constantly happening. And it's just when it comes down to like someone from a different background, they're put on the media. It's stated out as a racial kind of thing. They're not saying, oh, just a man. They're saying this black man or this Muslim woman or they put a label towards this Muslim person or this black person because of their background. That's put into the uh, public that that's generalizing. That's the whole nation. And that's why some people end up being racist. Because when they see this on media and they were like, oh, they're all terrorists because on the media, that's what they're portraying the Muslims to be. Or on the black people, they portray them to all be in gangs and all this loathing. But that's not necessarily true. Yeah, absolutely. Therese, I see you nodding away there. Have you any thoughts on that killing? Definitely. Uh, it, it's been very, very upsetting. But the whole discussion, whether he was a, a criminal or not, it doesn't really matter because he did not deserve that uh, that treatment and he did not, did not deserve to die. Um, that was a use, excessive use of force. And I tell you why I believe that. And this is my personal uh, belief is that around 10 years ago, I was robbed uh, on the streets of Ireland by an Irish white man holding a machete knife over my head. It was actually a foot long machete knife. And he stole, I was um, working in a shop at that time and I was going to the bank to deposit the daily taking. So he took that from me. And he survived. Nothing. There was no harm happened to him. And that was an actual criminal who was stealing and robbing money from me. And he could potentially uh, hurt me really uh, seriously with this machete knife. And nothing happened to him. So where is this justice? Uh, and and it's about judgment. We are. It's very easy to judge other people because it's easy easy story to believe, and it's it's a story that fits our already existing perceptions that generali- generalizing perceptions that people of a certain background um, have. You know, they have. They are naturally. Uh, they have nature of of criminals or whatever. Um, and, and whatever what Rayana said that really resonated with me with a story that happened to me in in that shop where I used to work uh, more than ten years ago, there was this customer. He was he was very regular there, and he knew me. And one day he read something about Polish people in a newspaper. I, I can't really remember what, but he decided to hold me responsible for whatever he read in that newspaper. So he came to the shop. He didn't buy anything. He came straight to the till where I was working and started giving out to me and holding me responsible for whatever he read in this newspaper. It was something about Polish builders. Can't remember what. And I just couldn't understand what he was talking about. And eventually, you know, that, that conversation turned into him calling me names, uh, using curse words and telling me to go, in, go back to my F country. Um, and, and he left. And then I had to pretend that nothing happened for the next couple of years that I was still employed there. And whenever he was coming, I still had to serve him with a smile on my face, pretending that that conversation never happened and uh, offer him the best service as I could because that was my job. Uh, and, and that is exactly what Rayana was saying. People are projecting one 
myth or misconception or one story on every single member of that community and that's not right that's not that's that's not we are not you know we are all different within the one community we have different perception different life experiences different values as well uh, see that diversity and see us for who we are as an individual people as opposed to just members of that community yeah i mean there's a difficult conversation going on at the moment but i think a really important one where Irish people, uh, those, I mean, who've grown up here and are, you know, not people of colour, have a kind of uh, a perception of ourselves as this really friendly country that is so kind and so great. And that all of that is true. And I think there's a lot in that. And I'm not I'm not dismissing that. But I think what's happened recently, which is really had to happen is that we have been confronted with our racism and white people in Ireland have had to face some uncomfortable truths. And I'm talking about everybody. I don't think there's one person in Ireland who doesn't have some unconscious bias, whether it's outward racism, whether it's, you know, from the extreme, terrible type of racism to just our everyday perceptions of if we are a white person, that somehow we are better or that. And it might be unspoken. But how important is it uh, to say this to both of you, that that we kind of accept those things about ourselves, that we really look at those things in the eye and don't run away from it, even though they're really difficult, because no one wants to think that they're a bad person. But if you grow up benefiting from a society which favours predominantly uh, white people, then of course, we have all our complicit in some way. Yeah, it's it's so important. Uh, and this is very difficult conversation that we have to have with ourselves. Um, like, you know, I am a lifelong anti-racist activist um, and nothing really upsets me as much as another racist Polish person because I have the same perceptions about Poland. I want to only see Polish people as good people. And when I see Polish racist person, that really, really upsets me. But I cannot deny it. I have to come in ter- to terms that there are Polish people who are racist. And I also have to come to terms with my, my own um, unconscious biases. As a white person who grew up in all white culture in Poland, um, I do have biases and I have to learn about those biases and I have to be mindful about my biases. And I'm not taking here a higher molar position, uh, um, you know, telling other people that they are racist. I also have to acknowledge my own biases that I have and how they are sometimes kicking in. And sometimes I might accidentally do or say something that is hurtful to other person. And that, and we need to acknowledge that, even if that was accidental, because, you know, it's the way how when you are walking on the street and you step on somebody's foot, you didn't mean it, you're really sorry, but that other person still feels pain. So it's about acknowledging the harm that we've done and try to mind, you know, where we're going next time. Rihanna, would you agree with that? I see you nodding too. I mean, that idea that it's a hard conversation. It's hard for people to sort of accept that they might be racist. I feel like with everyone, there is kind of where you grow up. Culture in itself does kind of fall back to this. And like, it's obviously coming down to just accepting it. Like obviously us growing up, like say for me, growing up here in Ireland, I kind of accepted it because I grew up with different nationalities. I grew up with, it's not just my culture. Whereas say in Algeria, they're they're open to everyone, but they still have a bit of comments. And I'm saying that even being Algerian, where sometimes, like, say for a marriage for between a, an Algerian woman and, like, a black man, there's a huge thing where, like, oh, boy, he's black. And I'm like, but they're like, yeah, it could be friends, but when it comes to marriage, it's still a huge issue, unfortunately. And, like, that's something that 
we all need to accept me growing up I had to accept that but it doesn't mean that we can't change it. It's time where now is the change, where now people should be educated. Why diversity should be included, why everyone should be together. It's fine. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, but as long as you're educated. And that's why I feel like saying the um, politics system, political system, all of these kind of systems are just out there. Like say the media, that's why we need people more backgrounds from different backgrounds. So then when people are actually seeing it from a different, on the other side, they're like, oh, there's someone on a different, they're different to us, but we're all the same because they're out there. They're still speaking because you see here in Ireland, you see the political system and you're like, there's no one. There's absolutely no one from any different background. They're all kind of the same. They're all kind of the same status as well. They all kind of know each other. There's no one even from like, say, low socioeconomic backgrounds. I grew up in that kind of background. They're all kind of the same. And it's a continuous system that's continuing on. So but if they actually start accepting people from different backgrounds, then this will all change. Yeah, I think you're fit on something really important there, the class thing, as well as the, the race issue. But we should mention Leo Varadkar being of Indian descent, in fairness, that, that that's a that was a big development. But also, yeah, and then people like Lynn Ruan, you know, working class women who get involved in politics and the difference they can make just by being vocal about issues that maybe aren't represented as much in the Shannon or in the Dáil. So um, I think it is changing a bit, but very, very slowly. Teresa, on that note, in terms of being hopeful or reasons to be yeah, reasons to be hopeful about this and that that even the fact that we're having these conversations much more and the conversations are much more nuanced now. They're not so obvious and it feels like it's a recurring thing that we keep having, which is great because in some ways it's it's like a positive brainwashing thing. We need to keep talking about it, saying the same things and calling it out. Are you hopeful? Oh, I'm definitely hopeful for Ireland. Like looking where we are now, comparing to where we were years ago, there is definitely a difference. Um, look at the, the Irish politics. I know they are very white-led still, but we have nine councillors of a migrant background. We have a, a senator who is a traveller, uh, Ellen Flynn. And, um, you know, we have things are starting slowly progressing and we have more conversations in the public, uh, thanks to the Black Lives Matter. For the very first time, we had an open conversation in the Irish parliament about racism. It was all led by white Irish men, but still there was a conversation, right? So, <laughs> so. Teresa, you can't have everything. Exactly. <laughs> Let the white Irish men have their say, for God's sake. They've been silenced for too long. That's a disgrace. And, but I also think it's, um, we don't, we can't really uh, pat ourselves on our back too easily because as much as we progressed as a country in terms of uh, better representation, better conversations, we also have to be mindful that uh, we are also influenced by uh, European and global politics. With the elections of Donald Trump, racism increased in Ireland. With Brexit, racism increased in Ireland. We have more right-wing movements right now uh, active in Ireland. So, And that is uh, mirroring what's happening in Europe. So I think we have to be more mindful about those dangerous situations and we have to tackle them. And we need champions and role models. We need politicians, those white Irish men 
taking roles of champions because they have the platform and they have the microphone. Be a champion of, of change. Be the change that you want to be and pass the mic. Bring more people to your platform. Share your platform with people who are directly affected by, by this issue. Support, mentor people and, and do whatever you can to share your platform and do a little bit and, and, you know, give up a little bit on your power. Make space for other people. Make space for migrant women. Make space for migrant women. Make space for travelers and any other minority members. And Rihanna, we haven't spoken about direct provision yet in the campaign to abolish it, but I presume that's something that you would like to see ended. I mean, there's so many people in there who've been in for too long. It's it's really inhumane, um, you know, from the not being able to make your own food to, to, to cramped conditions. To There's so many issues in that. What are your thoughts on direct provision? Yeah. Um, even like with working with Sorry Sports Against Racism in Ireland, we go sometimes down to coach the little kids and just... Honestly, you see it and it is kind of really upsetting. It's not an environment that anyone would like to live in. I'm not saying that they don't have houses and anything, but they don't really have much freedom and that the government are not doing anything much to help them there. They're just like, okay, here's a space for them, but that's depriving them of what they actually are, depriving them of their humanity. They're ta- It's really taking away their humanity. It's proven to them that you guys are less than what someone is. It's telling them, okay, because of what's going on in your back own country, this is, you have to face these consequences, which is completely unfair to these people because they didn't leave their countries because they wanted to. They left their countries because terrible reasons going on and they love their country and they would not leave their country. But because of those, cons- because of those reasons, they had to fled and they left, majority of those people left to find something better for their families, find better education, better jobs. But they're in a place where they're there. I know some people that have been there for 10 years and more. And it's just that nothing is changing. It's a constant thing. And then as well with migrants as well, going to like migrant um, farms where it's like they're just working because you know how like they need to get the work permit and they go to farms because I wrote a whole essay on this. And just the fact that they need to go to these farms and they're getting paid so little and like the way the women are treated as well as men, it's just ridiculous. And like just it's not really out there. It's not people don't really know about it. It's kind of all hidden behind doors. It's unless you're actually working with them to see it. Like for me, I would have never actually realised all of this if I didn't study politics, if I didn't actually go to the direct provisions and see everything myself. So I'm wondering then for a person that's never seen seen this, they would never know. And then for them to actually see this, they'll be like, oh, well, that's not my issue now, is it? There's other issues going on in our country, but the housing crisis where no one is really getting houses, houses is... It's so, the rent is extremely terrible. The house and the mortgage is extremely terrible as well. So just, they're like, oh, we have our own issues. Why are we worried about the direct provision? Sure, they could go back to their own country. And that's majority of the talk here in Ireland. That's what they're thinking. And it's, yeah. it's upsetting. Rihanna, are you going to get into politics? I was hoping listening to you that maybe we might see you in a few years. Hopefully, yeah. That's one of my, I'm aiming there. <laughs> well, that would be brilliant, Teresa. What do you reckon? Absolutely. More women and more outspoken leaders. That's exactly what we want to see more. Uh, diversity in leadership is something that I'm very much invested personally and, and on professional level. So I'm speaking about that all the time. Diversity in leadership at all levels. It's so, so important. And having um, people like Rihanna in in politics would be would be one of those welcome changes that we would like to see and a hope for future. 
Well, that's a lovely way to end it. The campaign is called All Against Racism. And uh, like you said, it profiles these 11 people. And thank you both very much for getting involved with it. And thanks for coming on to tell us about it on the Women's Podcast too. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for. Thanks so much to Teresa Bukowski and Raihana Zarug. And you can find out more about All Against Racism on ihrec.ie. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Get in touch with us on email, thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com or on social at itwomenspodcast. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 